Hey y'all, it's time for another episode of Avatar The Last Korra. It's the final pie showdown! Do 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 do! Do 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 do! Oh god, I hate this. But I love these episodes. They're great episodes, guys! Welcome back! It's Hannah! And David, and we're still watching uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and uh, The Legend of Korra at the same time, and just due to the way things have worked out, we have uh, the finale of of book two, and we're not even close to the finale of, uh, of Korra book three. We're getting there. Uh, but that's just how it's going to be. But these are, it just so happens that these are my favorite episodes in each, uh, in each show. Oh really? Yeah, uh, you know maybe an odd choice on, on, on in Cora's case, but I really dig these ones, so I'm I'm ready to just jump right in if I, you are. Yeah, they're entirely action packed, um, and and there's a lot of great stuff in, in all of them. Do you want to start with Cora or yeah, Avatar? Um, so you know I've I've already told you guys what I love about Avatar, uh, explaining things. <laughs> so the guru sort of fits that to a T. It's a lot of explaining. So much explaining and. and talking and world building uh and it's basically just picking up right where we left off with everybody it's it's happy times all is well zuko is is eating stuff and smiling <laughs> he's got that uh you, is it weird to see zuko smiling or, or good or is it good i mean it's definitely a little weird but you know it, it it's for the best like, it's like he's finally on some Prozac, you know? Like, he's got that serotonin. It's like, yeah, he's he's finally living life and, and, and growing, and we're just like, no, we want the broody boy. <laughs> Bring, Bring back, back the broody. brood. Um, yeah, no, but so, so I like that the Guru um, episode 19 really starts off with a lot of hope. Uh, like, everyone yeah. is, like, really like ready to bring like the fire nation to justice and all the plans are coming together. Um, yeah, it's pretty standard for, for being right before, you know, the lowest point episode of the entire show. Right. Right. Um, but so, so like you said, you know, these episodes are all about explaining things. It's half explaining things and the other half like spy thriller. So like, it doesn't get better than that. You know, this is just spy thriller. Let's just get into it. Um, so yeah, I guess this, in terms of spy thriller, the, the first thing that happens is like the earth King just blabbing like, Immediately oh, yeah. to the the fake uh, Kyoshi warriors who are actually Azula, Tylee, and, and May, uh, and just going like, "Hey, look, we're we're gonna have an invasion on the day of a solar eclipse. Isn't that cool?" <laughs> right, and we sort of get loose lips, Earth King, <laughs> loose lips. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, we we also get a timeline for when this attack is taking place. Um, two months in universe. Um, right. Meanwhile, the, the one of the main people who things are not going great for at the beginning of this episode is Toph, uh, who is still captured in a metal box on her way back to her parents. Um, yeah. And, you know, she's like, let me out of here, you assholes. And they're sort of like, listen, you may think you're fucking great. Can't bend metal. <laughs> and Toph just goes, yeah, want to bet? And we'll check yeah. back in with this plot line. <laughs> yeah i also the you know the next thing that happens with the kiyoshi warriors the fake kiyoshi warriors is that uh katara is gonna burst in yeah and be like hey zuko's in town 
so loose fucking lips, Katara. Loose lips. Yeah. People do do a lot of uh, blabbing. But loose lipsing. Yeah. Um, I do love the fact that Sokka can't tell any of the Kyoshi warriors apart. Uh, is that in the in the next episode or this episode? I think it's in the next one. That's in the next episode, and that's not what happens. So you know, don't don't diss on Sokka when you don't even know what's happening. I I know what's happening, but we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So so why don't you take on the chakras bit of this episode because you love it so much. I like the chakras. Uh, they're they're based on you know actual chakras in in sort of Eastern neo Eastern philosophy, sort of broadly. Um, it's uh you know there's seven chakras right yeah yeah seven of them and they're located in various parts of the body uh the only one where they don't say the part of the body is the water chakra because that's in your gonads (laughs) so they skip over where that one is located and ang just sort of doesn't notice that's fine i mean why would he he, he doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, so they describe sort of the way that energy moves through the body. It's very spiritual. It's very, you know, light. Um, it's not it's not that heavy. But then they start getting into heavier stuff. And and uh, it's this guru that we met before that tied a, a letter to Appa. And I like him as a character. He's He said he's a personal friend of Monkey Atso. I mean, yeah, he's, does that make any sense at all? I mean, he would have to be like 200 years old or something, but... Um, well, I mean, he could have been like a young friend. That's but true. Like, he would have had to have shown up like after Aang left, which we don't even know how long or, Monkey no, Atso no, no. lived after that. Or, or he's, you know, it's possible that... Like he he knew Guru Pathi, or uh, like Guru Pathi. Right, but wouldn't he have been around that. Ang's age, or maybe a little younger? I don't know. We have no idea how old this guy is. He's just a very old man. Maybe he just gets he's real fit because of all the onion banana juice. Right. Like drinks. we we know that like avatars have lived for hundreds of years at a time, so it it doesn't seem impossible. Oh, do we know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't like Kyoshi like two hundred or something? Well, she's dead. Well, she's dead now, but, like, when she was alive, she lived for, like, a long time. I don't remember any line signifying that, but I'll, I'll take your word on it. The onion banana juice thing is is made up, but the chakras are real. Yes. And they also both represent more or less the same thing that the, he says they do, um, with, like, a little tweaks here and there. Um, it, it is interesting. It's all, It almost feels, like, sort of planned out that, like... Um, you know, like the the fire chakra is associated with willpower, and also fire bending is associated with willpower, and it also happens to be something that Aang's ashamed of, right? Uh, because the fire chakra is blocked by shame, so all that is kind of interesting. And then same thing with the air chakra, where the it's it's a love chakra, and it's blocked by grief. And Aang's like biggest source of grief is the air nomads, uh, which is. You know, a nice little. It it kind of fits, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I I I think the whole sequence, um, you know, throughout the episode of Ang unblocking the various chakras and sort of facing his various insecurities and fears, um, and like having to sort of overcome them, it's done really well, and it's done 
um, really well with how each chakra sort of relates to the other things happening to other characters in this episode. So, you know, like we get um, scenes of Sokka and his father bonding and reuniting finally. Um, and like, this was like the big reveal, you know, like we hadn't seen Sokka and Katara's dad before. Um, and you know, we, we get to see how similar he is to Sokka and like, like I love their little reunion scene, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's just, it happens to be like the least conflict having seen in the, you know, scenes in the episode. Sure. Totally. Um, you know, it's very just sort of like, Hey, Yeah. What if he isn't, what if he doesn't think I've grown into a man? And then immediately he's like, you're a man, Saka. <laughs> you were a man before you even left with the Avatar. Right. Also, every, you know, I'm proud of you no matter what. Right. You know, but the way they built it up, it seemed like they had like a strict daddy who was kind of like, I, you know, I don't not... think they necessarily built it up that way. I, I think it was just like. Well, he's like a fierce warrior. So I was, just, I was assuming distant and kind of, you know aloof but right. no he's very loving and affectionate and yeah he's just been absent boy. from their lives for like five years you know yeah um but but yeah and and i like the fact that this isn't a conflict driven relationship either because so much of the rest of the episode is so conflict heavy um like we need this sure. this subplot as sort of a nice breather i think from the rest of it um breather breather so, uh, Iroh and Zuko, they're opening their tea shop, and, uh, Iroh's real glad that Zuko's there, and it's lovely, and then Katara sees that Zuko and Iroh are in the tea shop, and she flips out, and that's when she spills the beam to, beans to the, uh, non-Kyoshi yeah, Warriors. Yeah, they just, you know, they, you know, the, the Kyoshi Warriors, their cover's blown now, so it's time for the coup. I love. Well, I love not the yet. The coup happens well, next. Well, it's almost time for the. It's coup. almost time for the coup. Their cover's blown. Yeah, they're but they're gonna take her. But um, you know, meanwhile, Azula. Well, so all right. <laughs> they capture Katara. It doesn't have to be in order. I mean, this yeah. episode is kind of out of order. It's fine. Know? Like uh, Azula captures Katara. But then uh, Ty Lee and May have like a big old loud conversation about them being fakes to trick the Dai Li into thinking they've caught them when really Azula just wants to be led to the Dai Li so that later she can take it over. Um, I love everything about this it's trio. so I good. Mean, I think they're great. I think there's just so much richness in their, uh, in their characterization, which is interesting when you compare them to like the Red Lotus and, and oh, Zaheer's God. gang, yeah. who, where they're just not really as characterized. They're very well designed visually, but, mm -hmm. you know, like what do they have in terms of their intergroup dynamic? Um, like not nothing. not as much as Azula, May, and Ty Lee, where, you know, uh, <laughs> I like the line where Azula's like, this is a great opportunity, girls. And Tylee's like, what? That May gets to wear makeup that's not totally depressing? <laughs> right, right. Like, they... I like that line. They have actual banter with each other that feels natural. Um, and right, and like, Tylee's motivation for being there is specifically, like, how much she admires Azula's, like, you know, uh, demanding sort of leader attitude. right. Uh, which I think is interesting, and, and May is just kind of checked out, which is fun. Right, totally. Um, so, so yeah, so uh, 
basically, Azula enters into a pact with the Dai Li, and they're like, we could help each other out. Katara is captured, and of course, Katara gets captured just as Aang is trying to open his final chakra, which is the one that's all about um, letting go of, of Letting go love. of earthly attachments, if you know what I mean. And uh, uh, he's like, I love Katara, so I can't. And the guru's like, but yep, you gotta. I gotta go help her. It's very classic Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I don't know. Did you watch Empire Strikes Back for our Star Wars rewatch? I didn't, but I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. Yoda is training Luke, and Luke like, gets a vision of the future that Han and Leia are going to be tortured in pain. And Yoda's like, you can't go. If you go, you'll turn to the dark side. And it's like, well, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yoda doesn't know what the fuck he's. And talking as far about. as we know, this this does, I mean, I'm, I guess this happens that if he leaves, he won't be able to go into the Avatar state unless he completes the chakra thing. Yeah, because he's done all the other ones. You know, he learned to to let go of his fear. He learned to forgive himself for hurting people. Uh, he learns to you know kind of forgive himself for fire bending Katara, but you know not really. They kind of left that one a little open. Yeah. He learned to you know uh, accept that that even though people that he's lost have gone, that the, their love lives on. Yeah. And he's uh, he's learned to stop lying to people. And that there's a unity. There's unity in everything. Unity. The illusion of separation. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Um, that was a great chakra. one. I thought that was the coolest one. And I I also think it's the best integration with um, another subplot of the episode, because this is the point where Toph successfully finds basically like the earth shards within the metal uh, and is able to invent metal bending, um, which everyone here knows she did because we've talked about it a lot from Korra. <laughs> Um, so no spoilers there, but it's such a good moment. Yeah, and I think it's it's sort of very strategic that it comes about now, uh, seeing as, you know, Aang is, is a, now a master earthbender, it's sort of kind of makes Toph a little less relevant, uh, but uh, right. now she's back and relevant because she's got metal bending and no one else does. Yeah, she does. She kind of traps uh, her, her captors in the same metal thing, and I guess probably fuses like the little latch shut as well i'm not sure they're they're probably just gonna die in there and they even say as much they're not gonna die yeah but like how would they not they're like in the middle of nowhere someone finds them that no one can open it's it's played for comedy they're fine they didn't well, the key is locked inside with them I mean, who cares about a key like the door has been metal bended to shit <laughs> Right, like, you could probably like hammer that straight, but it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the lock on the fucking. Cage. I mean, I, I bet you they got a blowtorch or something. Like, like they'll get out of there. It's fine. Do they have? It's beside the point. Besides um, the point. Um, so this is basically where the episode ends. Katara is locked up. The Dai Li and Azula have made a an alliance. Um, <laughs> we've got. Aang, who goes to pick up Sokka, so Sokka doesn't get to go to a war with his dad yet. Um, and then uh, Toph is headed back to Ba Sing Se on their own, and everyone's going to go try to rescue Katara, basically. And that's, yeah. That's so where... ju- to sum up, like, I mean, this episode 
it's not very plot heavy. It's very quiet what? and thought thoughtful. I mean, there's some action in it, but for there's the most so part, much plot. Oh, I mean, it's it's very uh, it, it's 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 not like we accomplish a whole lot. You right. know, it's like we've introduced a lot of thematic elements and and explained a lot of stuff. Yes. You know, about how the Avatar state works and and how Aang is meant to learn and, and all this stuff. And, you know, we get some nice character moments with Sokka and Zuko. Um, but the only things that really happen are right at the end where, you know, Katara gets captured and Aang sees that in a vision. And then they he rushes off and abandons his training too early. Too soon. But, I mean, what I like about the, the exposition is it's done conversationally. It's not done in a stilted sort of way. Right. It's done with, with plot purpose. It expands the world and teaches us things. It develops the characters. And most importantly, it's done visually interesting at a lot of different locations with with visual aids and, and all kinds of good stuff. Yes. I love it. And it's there's enough, uh, like, you know, because everyone's scattered, you're able to cut between a lot of different scenes simultaneously. So even if, you know, there's not a ton of action scenes necessarily, you're still getting a lot of... Um, like a sense of motion and a a pace to the episode instead of like just 20 minutes of sitting having a conversation somewhere but but i mean it, it kind of it almost was 20 minutes of conversation i mean it i mean there were yeah, long but... stretches where it doesn't cut away so right. I, I i wouldn't put it past it to just say it's a well structured episode which it is but it's just that the exposition itself is done well yes i would agree and I, I don't think that people should, you know, shit on just like, oh, there's too much exposition or whatever. No, exposition can be done well or it can be done bad. For sure. I agree. Um, but so that brings All us right. to the Crossroads of Destiny. Final episode of book two. This is the big one, Boom. guys. Lots of plot here. Um, I love this opening with uh, Aang and Sokka flying up next to Toph, who's like, running back to Ba Sing Se on, like, giant earth mounds. And uh, they sort of, like, yeah. call out to her, like, hey, you need a ride? Hey, tough. And what? she just, like, freaks the fuck out, because obviously she can't sense that they're there. And uh, just, like, totally whiffs it. Uh, but it's... Well, I don't understand why she can't, like, hear it. Like, she also has a pretty good sense of hearing. Yeah, but, like, most of her sense... Like, like this is not the first time she's been surprised by... Something like that Stuff happening. Stuff in the air. But, I mean, it's just like when you can't hear it coming. I don't know. I, I would have thought that a flying bison makes a lot of noise, but maybe that's wrong. I mean, I guess not. I mean, she was also making just a lot of noise. silently. You know, she was literally ripping Earth up, which is pretty loud. So. That's true. Uh, but I, I like it. It's a good, cute opening in a very dark episode. Right. So I think the the deal with Azula and Long Fang is interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, Long Fang is like, I'll give you all of the, the daily resources to take out the Earth King so that I can get out of jail and then rise to power. But he's basically still in power. He just lives in jail. Yeah. I mean, they could just bust him out, you know? Yeah. He could go into hiding or just live in a house. Like, the police doesn't care where he is. So... It's sort of unclear what Long Feng gets out of it, but he's just immediately interesting, interested in, you know, getting Azula to take out uh, his enemies. Yeah. And then Azula just, like, 
pretends to be, you know, uh, an idiot or, you know, sort of innocent. Yeah. Uh, like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. But she's really in control the whole time. And so she gives this great speech about how, like, all right, Daily, you have to coo the Earth King. I know that goes against your programming, <laughs> but, but he the sucks. Earth King doesn't like you. He thinks you stink. Yeah. So this coup is life and death. If he doesn't die, you're going to die. All right? And I think that's a good speech. It was a great speech. And um, she freaks one guy out so much that later he's going to turn on her, though. Uh, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. So uh, then Zuko and uh, Iroh have been invited back to the uh, palace since Azula yeah, knows that he's, a special he's guest. there. And Iroh's like, destiny is a funny thing, Prince <laughs> Zuko. And Zuko's like, it sure is, uncle. <laughs> and that's the last happy thing he says for the rest of the episode. Uh, and it's well, probably Zuko's worst line read in the whole show. Yeah, they're all... Like, honestly, happy Zuko's line reads are pretty awful. Like, Dante Bosco has a hard time selling it. Uh yeah, I mean, he does He does a lot of upbeat characters, but Zuko just is not one of them. He just can't do it. Uh, so then we we end up, uh, Zula, Azula comes in and confronts Iroh and Zuko, and uh, then, like, there's the best line. His, the best line. Did I ever tell you how I got the name the Dragon of the West? And I just love her response where she's like, I'm not interested in a lengthy anecdote. And he goes, it's more of a demonstration. Like, it's more of a demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> and then and he, just fire breaths he, everyone. He fire breathes everybody, it's, which is pretty cool. It's great. So there's a fun little chase sequence. Iroh busts out and is like, Zuko, come on, jump out the window. But Zuko's like, no, I'm going to face Azula. And Azula's like, oh, you want to do an Agni Kai? And he's like, yeah, let's do an Agni Kai. And then she's like, no, I just like fine. Iroh's like face palm when he's telling when he's telling <laughs> Zuko to run away. Because like you're definitely not ready to fight Azula. a bunch of Daily guards or even just your sister. So he's like, I'm tired of running. And Iroh's just face palms. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so basically Zuko gets immediately captured, and then he gets thrown into prison in a crystal palace with Katara. Um, it's so romantic. It's so romantic. The shippers went wild. This was like the AMV like jackpot of the century when this happened. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, the other one was the pirate episode. Oh, yeah. It's, she's all tied up. It started with the pirate episode, but then this happened, and then, like, she touches his face later, and everyone's like, they're in love! What are we doing right. here? Um, well, I mean, I think the thing more is that, like, he lets her touch I his know. scar, you know? Yeah, he doesn't let like, anyone. That Earth Kingdom girl couldn't touch his scar. But he let Katara that's do true. it. That's true. It's very intimate. He likes Katara. He does. I don't know. He does kind of I mean, like Katara. He doesn't do anything to pursue it, but he likes it. Yeah. Um, um, but so so Zuko and Katara are down in prison, and they're having a little chit-chat, and Katara's like, fuck you and fuck the Fire Nation. He's like, yeah, the Fire Nation also killed my mom. And she's like, oh, that's sad, I guess. Sorry. And, uh, you know, he's, like, trying to be all penitent and, like, I've, I've changed. Yeah. It's just kind of uncomfortable when Katara is talking about, like, spreading war and violence is in your blood because of your father. 
And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. All right. My father fucking hates me. All right. Because nobody, like, knows that about him. Right. Isn't that weird? How, like, nobody seems to know that, like, he's disgraced? I mean, it's not that weird, you know? Like, if you look at, like, Fire Nation propaganda, the whole point is that, like, anything that's negative gets sort of swept under the rug, you know? Like, I just wouldn't be surprised. but I don't know. It's just, like, such a good story, like, to then be like, oh, yeah. Zuko, the prince. Yeah, it's weird that he's not, like, in the palace, and he's just sort of out and about and, like, has no money, and he's just sailing this stupid ship looking for the Avatar. Man, his dad must love him a lot. (laughs) Like, no, you look at that guy, and you're like, that guy's dad hates him. (laughs) That guy's dad hates him, but he's still carrying out his dad's, like, racist, genocidal, like, war. So, you know. Well, he's not... He's disgraced, but he's not a traitor. Yet. Um, yet. Yet. <coughs> so, uh, this, basically, now that Zuko's captured, Iroh shows up to uh, to the house. Oh, well, so the gang gets back to the city. Sokka, Aang, and Toph. And, um, basically, they talk, they confront the Earth King, and they're like, what happened to Katara? They're like, I don't know, she's hanging out with the Kyoshi Warriors. And they don't know that it's not the Kyoshi Warriors yet. So they go back to their little house, and that's when Iroh shows up. And he's like, they've got Katara and Zuko in the underground. We gotta go save them. We should team up. And Sokka's like, I don't know about this, but they do it anyway. Um, and right. I like this team I mean, up. the coup is happening, like, as this is all that, going down. Yes. It's just, like, literally they're taking the generals and, like, throwing them in house arrest. Yeah. And, like, putting them up in chains and junk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, when Sokka runs in, like, he sees that they're Kyoshi warriors. And Ty Lee is like, hey, cutie, uh, I'm I'm attracted to you. We're we're reaffirming. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm dating Suki. Right. So why are you doing this? Because you know that. He's seen Ty Lee before, and he's seen other Kyoshi warriors. Like, why is he not Right, just, but he like, doesn't know every Kyoshi warrior right. by face, Fair and, like, enough. Ty Lee is wearing a disguise. I mean, yeah, I guess. What is this, What is this like, victim-blaming I'm that's going I'm not trying to victim-blaming. Is it victim-blaming? I, I mean... He's been deceived by... I guess. By people in disguises. Fair enough, but uh, Toph is able you to... You try and recognize All somebody right. next time they're in disguise, <laughs> as is often the case. I, I, I wouldn't know it. But yeah, so Toph is the one who's able to to pull pull the the mask off of these two uh, and reveal that no, it's Tylee and May because she can recognize their um, pulses or something. Yeah, well, she can't even see the disguise. Right. You know. Yeah. So basically, she's like, I know who this is. They're not Kyoshi warriors. Get them. Uh, so then yeah. they... Also, she's already done the I never forget a voice thing, so she's pretty voice sensitive as well. Toft it? Yeah, back, way back when, when we, uh, had to recognize who took Appa, you know, she was like, I never forget a voice. Mm, that's right, that was a while ago. Um, alright, so, so then Azula shows up and, like, points a blue fire blade at the Earth King and is like, you've all lost, and then throws them all in a dungeon. And then the minute they're alone in the dungeon, Toph rips the door off the hinges. And uh, now we really understand just how useful metal bending's going to be. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty fun it's, to just watch her like 
flick it and then it goes like flying. Yeah, it's it's pretty delightful. Um, so they break out of jail with the Earth King, who demands that they get Bosco. So Toph and uh, Sokka, they're they're part of this is to get the Earth King, get Bosco, get Appa, get out. Um, Aang and Iroh, meanwhile are tunneling down into the old city of Ba Sing Se, which is, you know, underground, uh, to save Katara and Zuko. And, uh, of course, they get there just in time to interrupt the the beautiful reconciling of... The touch. ...of Katara and Zuko, where she's like, I could heal your scar with magic spirit water. Uh, but she doesn't get the chance, because they get interrupted, and Katara and Aang peace out. And Iroh's like, we'll catch up. Hey, Zuko, you gotta be good now. <laughs> this, this is the time to be good. But uh, then Azula interrupts this and captures Iroh with the well, Dai yeah, Li. We, we skipped over her what? power play, which oh, was the best part all right, all right, of the episode. We'll go back to, all right, go back to the power play. I like the power play. You know, Long Feng shows up and he's like, all right. Now's the time when I double cross you, and it's and he's like Mr. Krabs in it up and going like, "Ah, give me back me, uh, me Dai Li," and uh, <laughs> and and it's just like so funny to watch him try and do that because like even at the time I was like, "This is this guy is not actually going to try and double cross Azula. Azula. That's not going to work." Right. Like we're just so familiar with how confident she is, and like this guy can't even bend. You know, like, what's and she gonna I, I do? Just, I love how, like, much of a Cersei Azula is. Totally. You know, like, she, she's totally this character who is obsessed with bloodlines and royalty and blah, blah, and blah. Power. And power. she's the rightful, rightful heir to power. Uh, and, and so, of course, she's going to say, oh, I see you. You're the kind of guy who you were born poor on the streets and you had to work and struggle and connive to get where you are. <laughs> But you'll never actually be the ruler of the country. It'll never happen. And he's like, oh. You're too nouveau riche. He's like, oh, yeah, oh damn. You, you right. <laughs> Take it. All right. I'm out of here. I don't know where he goes after this. He probably gets killed. Yeah, I don't know. Do we ever see him again? I'm, like, trying to think. Hell no. Yeah, so no long thing. So now Azula's in control of the Dai Li in the Earth Kingdom. Has basically taken it over. So then they all go and and burst in on uh, the happy reunion. And uh oh, what what what's Zuko gonna do? Yeah. So so basically, there's um there's a a great bit of dialogue between Iroh, who's captured and Azula who's free. Where basically they're like, time to decide forever, Zuko. Whose side are you on? I can offer you redemption and. Uh, power if you come with me bro and i was like it's a false redemption don't do it you, you don't want to go with azula she blows uh and so then we go cut to a, a great fight scene between the dai li and azula and yeah. ang and katara there's a really great like shot while zuko's making the decision where it just literally is like boom sound effect and then it's the left side of his face and then boom and then it's the right side of his face <laughs> unless i was looking at a mirrored version which i can't remember now uh, but either way in any case it was like Scarface, not Scarface. Scar yeah and it's and then he's got to like make his decision man it's, it's there's great dichotomy uh and so then he shows up in the middle of the fight and blasts a fireball in between azula and ang and it's like oh shit who's he gonna fire the next fireball at 
and then it's at Aang, and then everyone's heart collectively broke. Um, yeah, it's like, but I think it makes sense uh, for his character. Like he's been he, he the only reason he really took the side of you know I'm gonna let Appa go is because he didn't really have any other options. Like where's he gonna take this flying bison? Uh, and, you know, he had a good life, you know, in the city, but this is literally like a guarantee of getting his old life back, which is what he really wants, right. where all of his friends live and, his, and the girl he had a crush on. And his new and, life has been totally blown up, too. Like, he doesn't have really a right. new life to go back to either. He's probably not going to get to go back to the tea shop. So it's a believable choice, but, I mean, he had grown a lot up to that point. Yeah. It's just like, nah, it was too much... Yeah. The, Too much to ask. Uh, so then we get some great scenes of uh, Zuko fighting, uh, Zuko and Azula fighting Aang and fighting Katara, and we get to see some sick waterbending from her. Um, and, yeah, you know, lots of, uh, lots of like octopus fighting. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's not know, going. Water arms and fire whips, and everyone's switching opponents back and forth. And Aang's got, like, crystal armor that he earthbends onto That's him. That's pretty cool. Like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna earthbend these, these guys. Meanwhile, like, Sokka and, and Toph are on Easy Street. I know. You know they go to get Bosco, and May's just like, ah, take him, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm checked out, who cares? She's really checked out at this point. Yeah. Um, but but it doesn't matter. Even though two people are completely incapacitated from the, the bad side, there's still just, like, way too many die lead, and they're so OP. Yeah. Because every time you defeat one, there's another one. Yep. And, like, all of them are very powerful. So, um... Yeah, all of them are, like, decent enough earth vendors who can kind of hop around and, like, punch you in the face. Right. So, so it's not going great for Katara and, um... And Aang below ground. And so Aang is like, I gotta do the Avatar State shit. And so he makes a little crystal, um, a little crystal tent and, you know, releases his attachment to Katara very reluctantly and is sort of rising into the sky and his glowy avatarness. Um, and then Azula does the really smart thing, where instead of letting Aang finish his magical girl transformation, just shoots him with lightning. Um, which, like, gotta hand it to her, smart move. <laughs> you know? Like, don't don't give him the chance to power up. Like, it, I, I feel like that's, that's, that's why it was so unexpected, in a way, is because we're used to, like, these power-up sequences that go entirely uninterrupted by all of the people fighting the person um and azula is just like let's let's throw that trope out the window let's just shoot this guy um so she does and then ang dies I, I don't know it's a little bit weird you you it almost implies that like ang having control of the avatar state is a mistake because he is very irresponsible with the avatar state like he just doesn't he doesn't use it very well you know, it just seems like if he had just activated the Avatar state like he did at any other point in the story, then he would have just blocked the lightning strike, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think... It's not like it's an impossible to block attack or something or impossible to dodge. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the drama of it. I think 
it it cre it's surprising. And it's also like shot kind of weird, so it's it's unclear if she shoots him from behind or from the front. I mean, I'll I'll agree with that, but the effect is still definitely there that she shot him with lightning. You know, it's not unclear that that's what happened. Right. No, I wasn't unclear about that. I just mean it was unclear whether she was in front of him sure. or behind him, sort of ambiguously spaced. Um, and if it was in front, that would be kind of weak sauce. And if it's behind, like. You know, that's more yeah. believable. Um, but so anyway, so Aang, I guess, dies. I'm still never clear on what happens to him there exactly. Well, he got hit by lightning. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. But if, if he dies or is just, like, very critically wounded. So he probably could have died. I, yeah. But obviously he, he didn't because the healing magic cannot bring people okay. back to life. But so, yeah, so he... He falls to the ground. Katara comes and picks him up and is basically, it's going to be her against everyone trying to get Aang just like out of there. Um, and then Iroh manages to show up just a minute too late to actually really help, but is at least able to provide a distraction long enough uh, for Katara and Aang to get away. They get on to Appa with yeah. everyone else. Katara heals Aang with their magic spirit water and um, that's the end of the episode as they fly away from Ba Sing Se, yeah. which has fallen. I really like when Zuko is like, you know, I betrayed Uncle. He does feel shame about it. Yeah. Azula's like, no, he betrayed you. Yeah. I hate you, Azula. So basically, you know. You ruined my boy. Zuko's made this terrible choice that we're all sad about. But then we see that he's still conflicted. You know, he's like, well, I, I didn't want it to be like this. Um, and so, there's so, hope for a redemption arc. So we end the season on betrayed Zuko, still conflicted, and uh, everyone else is basically in disarray. And uh, we'll we'll see how how things go in season three. It's it's a really low note. Yeah, it's the big cliffhanger ending of the show, and that was that was the thing that made it so memorable and impactful. Like no other kid show had ever done anything. Like that, that I had seen. Right, and, you know, it's just such in stark contrast with how even the last season of Avatar ended. You know, like, even if you're just basing it on, like, internal show logic, like, you know, we have the big battle right. at the end of the season, but, you know, North Pole, they, Aang goes into the Avatar state and kicks ass. Here, Aang tries to go into the Avatar state, but then, like, almost dies and the Earth Kingdom falls. Like, they're entirely unsuccessful in anything that they were basically trying to do this season. Um, besides yeah. Aang learning earthbending. But uh, it, it's, it's a real turnaround. I, I love it's it. It's a real turnaround. It's, it's great. It's the darkest uh, hour. Um, and we'll, we'll get into the hope of the, the following season uh, next time. Yeah. But more, there's more cliffhangers to be had. It's Korra time, all right? This is my favorite episode of Korra. Right. It's called is Book Three, Episode Nine, The Stakeout. It's a fun um, episode. I think you know if you've been if you've been following us and haven't been watching Korra or rewatching Korra, I would recommend just check this episode out again. It's a it's a cute little one. Yeah, it's it's good, um, and I think it's sort of. You can hold it up as as the best things of this season and and the best things of the show as a whole. For sure. Um, <clears throat> basically, what where we left off was uh, all of the Avatar gang 
we're we're chasing after Iway, the truth teller dude who uh, who betrayed was them. Where and he was here. Then blew up his office. Yeah. Um, and so they they track him to uh, the Misty Palms Oasis on on Naga. Uh, so Naga's useful <laughs> for once. Hooray! Um, and and I believe that's good. Is is this the same Oasis Town from Avatar where where they go before they head yeah, to the library? Yeah, but now it's sort of rejuvenated because the spirit world and the and the physical world have been joined. Yeah. So now the the ice is kind of coming back, and uh, you know all the spirits have returned as well. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Like I I see I like this nod to the original series because it's not like this is the bar where Aang and everyone else came when they were on their adventure. You know, it's just there and it's like something you can pick up on or not. And it's not like shoved down your throat. Like I, I like this sort of nod versus other things yeah. that Korra has done. Also, you know, I just like that the, the avatar gang is on the run yeah. again. You know, there's wanted posters up for them because now they've pissed off the Earth Queen. Right. I, I, I like it more when they're underdogs. Totally. I don't like it when they're, like, maintaining the status quo for the government. Right. Like, that's lame. It's very lame. <laughs> but this is cool. They gotta go in disguise. They do. You know? And, and, so, and there's yeah. tons of, uh, like, great little tropes in here, too. You know, we have the, like, overly detailed uh, undercover backstory from Bolin versus Mako's. Yeah, Bolin and Bolin and Mako put on little disguises <laughs> to go scope out the town. They're wearing ponchos and little goggles. It's adorable. It's very adorable. Though they are very conspicuous ponchos. They're bright yellow. They're so conspicuous, it's hilarious. And, you know, obviously Mako is, like, really upset that he's wearing this brightly colored poncho. Yeah. And uh, and Bolin's super excited, and he's like, "I'm Ting Ting, ex United Forces <laughs> operative, fighting Doctor Razor." It's, and then uh, he's like, "What's your backstory, Mako?" And he's like, "I'm a cop. <laughs> I don't have a backstory. I'm a cop." Ugh, it was very good. It, it it it's like the classic buddy cop uh, trope, you know. One's very into yeah. it; the other is like, "This is stupid." It's about like a former movie star who you know acted in sort of crime solving pictures. Who's now got to work with a real you know young up and comer cop. Yeah. Who uh, you a know, hot shot? It's great, and I love their dynamic. And they're they should always be paired together instead of pairing uh, Mako with. Korra, which is or, unbearable to watch. Or Asami. Or with Asami, which is also terrible. Yeah. Mako should be with Bolin. That's why they were created together. They they need each other. Um, but yeah, yeah. Then, then Asami finds a clue and basically finds the, the meeting place. Yeah, so she's place. doing stuff Dude, too. What the these hell? Are like, this is like everybody gets a chance to do something. These are like the best two episodes for Asami yet. Like, she does so ever, much. So... <laughs> So there you go. She does so much in these episodes, and it's delightful. Um, it's great, but it's all she's only doing like what you know, like Toph would do in a non-Toph focused episode, right? Like, you yeah, know, she just has some comments, and she has some background comedy stuff, and she's got some character moments. Yeah. Like, it's just what you are supposed to do for every episode, but they keep forgetting. Right. To. Um, but she does it here, and uh, yeah. Um, so they they basically track. Uh, highway to to this like hotel motel. motel place, and they try to get a room, but they're not offered a room. And then uh, two people who Bolin and and Mako thought were bounty hunters who were after them turn out just to be big Nuktuk fans. Um, and I will say, yeah, I, it's which is believable. For you sure. know, I think it's always nice to sort of do a callback to that weird 
outlier of a story arc <laughs> where he became the most popular movie star in the entire universe. Right. <laughs> um, that was definitely... Like, it's just such a weird outlier. It's, it's so weird, and it's so rarely referenced. So it was definitely great to have that. Um, however, it then had just, like, a horribly unflattering characterization of, like, fans and fan culture that it's like, guys, it's it's never nice to make fun of your fans like this. Well, they like did this. chase them literally through the city. I mean, yes, but then they just clearly, like, you know, the girl is just, like, freaking out and playing with her hair and acting all weird and is like, I made a doll for you. <sighs> like, it's like, I'm sorry you had an uncomfortable experience at a convention, but it's only because someone loves your stuff this much. Like, get over yourselves. Don't write this joke. I'm not bothered by I, it. Some fans are, un, you know, uncomfortable and don't have really great boundaries. Yeah, and are a little awkward. But so like I'm, the place to call that out. I'm not going to blame anybody for making fun of. I them don't know to 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 call that out. I, I I didn't like it, and I felt like it was kind of a sexist portrayal because it was the girl who was shown as like the overly obnoxious fan. Um. And I feel like female fans often well, she get a was, lot of shit. I mean, that. it would. I mean, like if it was the guy, then you would, it would sort of imply a sexual attraction. I mean, the point is just that he's a male mover star. Like for for female stars, usually the men are the creeps. That is that is fairly true to life. Sh- sure, I don't know. Anyway, well, they uh, they end up in this this tiny cramped little motel room, and and uh, you know, Cora faces her most difficult challenge yet, which is having any patience at all. <laughs> She does pretty decently. Um, which is very true to her character, and I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, there's a great little background plot where Asami and Bolin play a bunch of pie show, and we find out, you know, that there's different styles and ways to play pie show, which, like, is some nice hey, world what's building. what's my favorite thing, Hannah, in Avatar? It's world building! It's world building and explaining. Just explain things to me, show. I like it. <laughs> Just do it to me all the um, time. So that's what they yeah. did. It's like Bolin's like, you know, hey, you know, it's me. I learned Street Pie Show from Shady Shin, <laughs> which is a great sentence. Yep. And uh, Asami's like more of a quiet thinker player because she's rich and spoiled. <laughs> um, and she probably took, you know, classes on it like, like a weirdo. Or she said, learn from my evil genius father, which like weird brag, but okay. Yeah, we- weird flex, but <laughs> yeah. I... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so they're playing, and obviously, like, Bolin is just playing, like, on instinct, basically. And he's like, you know, Pai Show's about luck. And then she's like, no, it's about strategy. And then the guidebook is like, yeah, it's I mean, about both. You know, however you want to play it. Um, yeah, so so they do that for a few rounds. Time passes. Cora's like, it's almost time right, for the but meeting. It's, it's symbolic, Hannah. It's not just time oh, passing. Oh, I know. You know it's, it's it's symbolic of the different perspectives of, you know, the villains and the heroes in this show, which I really like. It, you know, adding thematic stuff with something that doesn't necessarily move the plot forward or come back even. Right. But just sort of adding a little thematic flair, which is, that's what I like about this episode, is it's it's willing to just give us a little something. Yeah, for sure. Um So eventually it's almost time for the meeting and they haven't seen Iowa leave his room, so they... Cora finally loses her patience, busts in, and it turns out he's just sitting on the bed meditating. He's not there. Uh, so the meeting place wasn't 
somewhere that he had to leave the motel to go to. It was a place in the spirit world. Uh huh. Um, so then Cora, which is a twist that we haven't seen before, yeah. uh, and that's great. You know, because usually we're not facing very spiritual villains. Uh, right. And even when we are, you know, they're just like evil wizards <laughs> right. at the North Pole or or, or using the spirit world in any way that isn't as just like another location to go to. Like instead, this time it's like. Like, like the spirit world is a, a great twist. twist for intrigue and yeah. plotting and uh, things and remember of that nature. several months ago when I told you that uh, that uh, being able to locate Korra uh, via spirit magic was not like a a twist, or I mean, it was a twist. It was a it was a mystery. Um, when Zaheer is able to like is like meditating and he knows where Korra is. What the reason he knows that is because he's meditating and communing with Iway. Oh, there we go. Okay. So it wasn't that big to you, but it was very important to me that I noticed that. No, I'm glad that you pointed that out. I did forget that that was an issue that I had, uh, I had brought yeah, up. I guess the pacing of the season isn't that great. Cause that information they should have shown how that that's how he's been tracking her or, or just given some sort of hint towards it or something, but it, it's fine. Right. Um, so, but so it yeah. is, it's fun that that's not a plot hole that he's able to track yeah. her via spirit. Uh, that is fun. Um, so yeah, so Cora goes in and, uh, spies on Zaheer talking to Iway. And Zaheer's like, you right. fucked up. But he, he sort of notices immediately and then chucks Iway into the fog oh of lost God. souls. Oh my God, yeah. Which is just... <laughs> so he's just dead now. Uh, so after tossing Iway in the fog of lost souls, he just uh, starts explaining his entire plan to uh, to Korra, which is certainly nice of him. I, I hope he doesn't have any ulterior motives. <laughs> He does. He does, David. He has ulterior motives. So, but he's explaining the, his backstory. He's like, we're the Red Lotus. And it's like, okay, that's the first time we've heard that name. Yeah. And they're an offshoot of the White Lotus. And they came out of hiding to open... Uh, or the, the White Lotus, when they came out of hiding after the Hundred Years' War, they ended up kind of becoming a force for the status quo. You know, the, the bodyguards for corrupt nations, yeah. as uh, Zaheer puts it, which I love it. Mm-hmm. Don't you love it? Where, yeah, yeah. It's definitely very interesting, um, everything that Zaheer is saying. And, you know, it's philosophically interesting. It's politically interesting. Um, yeah. And, you know, it also turns out that Unalak was apparently a rogue member of the Red Lotus. Um, you yeah, know. I mean, this is just trying to, you know, tie in the last season where they literally had not come up with this yet. I, I At least oh, I think. Oh, for sure. Maybe they had come up with it. Maybe this was all part of the plan from the beginning. I but, doubt like, it. Unalak's motivation was never really clear. He was the one who tried to kidnap Korra, and he was the one, apparently, who, you know, sort of broke off from the Red Lotus and, like, didn't bother to contact any of them. And he right. was just like, yeah, I'm gonna rejoin the the uh, the Earth and the spirit world. That's part one. Mm -hmm. And then part two is I bring on Thousand Years of Darkness. <laughs> Um, I don't know why. Well, Maybe by darkness he means like it would end 
like civilization as we know it and like destroy the country so so i think it allow people to exist freely i, I guess know. i don't know it it sort of is the the chaos versus order dichotomy that like zahir is very into yeah, but he doesn't say bring on a thousand years of chaos he says a thousand years of darkness yeah i i don't know it's still a little weak but it definitely makes more sense now like it doesn't make any sense to bring on a bunch of chaos if you're a world leader but if you are, you know, an anarchist, then it makes a lot more sense to right. want to bring on chaos. Sure. Um, yeah, so so that's basically what Zahir is, um, him and his colleagues' uh, ideology boils down to, is they're anarchists, and they want to abolish government and, and ruling, and they want ultimate freedom. Right. It's a classic ideology, and I think that this is actually willing to engage with the ideology, unlike the equalists and oh, their yeah. supposed representation of socialism, where they didn't engage with the actual thought process at all and no. just sort of strawmanned what, you know, what what a socialist might believe. They're like, oh, they like uh, equality, right? Where right. that's actually not true, and, and Marx actually argued against equality as a thing that should be, you know, as a goal. Um, sure. But, you know, they're actually engaging Zahir in... I think an interesting dialogue about like, okay, yeah. So right, what like has Korra just... seen in terms of world leaders? Uh, and what have we seen in the Avatar world as far as world leaders? Well, we've seen the Earth King who is terribly ineffectual and controlled by a puppet government. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were super fascist and controlling. And then we had the fire, <laughs> the fire nation who were assholes. Right. Uh, led by Fire Lord Ozai, who was insane. Genocidal colonialists. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then we had the the council, which was basically controlled by uh, uh, by uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, um, Tonrock. No, Tonrock was uh, Korra's dad. Oh shit! Um, the other guy. The other guy, the one we've already forgotten about <laughs> from um, season one. Poor little other Locke or whatever his name yeah. is. Uh, but we forgot his name. So he's terrible, and he was evil and controlled the cops to, like, arrest everybody. Mm-hmm. And 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 then, you know, we got Unalak, who's and terrible, like, unelected. And they're all un- these unelected, like, non-democratic, terrible leaders. So, I mean, and, and even the elected government, you know, the president is a moron. Right. So, I... I don't know. Like at this point, it's like okay, you got you may have a point, anarchist. Right. Like, like in a world where we've literally seen nothing but terrible leaders, democratically elected or otherwise. As opposed to season one, where you know we don't even really necessarily see non-benders being particularly oppressed. Um, right. Like in this one, we've actually seen how terrible these leaders are. You know, like, like we're, the show gives us evidence to support this bad guy's ideology. It doesn't just try to say, and it's, and it's his, and his position is, you know, very spiritual as well. He talks about, you know, the philosophy of freedom and, and can freedom exist in a world where, you know, one person is, is given the divine right to rule. You know, this is very enlightenment stuff, Hobbes and, all these other, you know, anti-monarchists and stuff. Right. And, and, you know, also he, like, within the universe even, he quotes, like, old thinkers, um, 
like the the old mm, airbending, yeah, who I think he quotes him saying, new growth can occur without the destruction of the old, um, which right. is he's exactly what he's doing. Which, yeah. You know, sure, you can't have anarchy without breaking a few eggs. And he does kind of talk down to Korra yes. instead of like really leading her down this path. But Korra is being a little... You know, stubborn-headed as well. I mean, to be fair, he's tried to kidnap her. I wouldn't exactly be engaging on, like, the the nicest. Yeah, good point, good point, good point. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he's like a, you know, he's like a fugitive and he just kind of wants to talk to her and be like, Hey, Cora, ever considered the philosophies of uh, (laughs) anarcho-primitivism? <laughs> or or, or anar- anarcho syndicalism maybe I don't yeah. know I don't know what type of anarchy he is but uh... we'll we'll figure I mean it, it's not necessarily discussed and and I will say the show does sort of fall down on continuing to flesh out this uh, his ideology much past these two episodes um, like like it yeah this is the main fleshing out that yeah, we get um, it it kind of falls apart a little bit after this but but it's so strong here it's it's kind of fine um, right meanwhile i guess he has the ability to sort of talk in the real world while his his uh you know while his mind is in the spirit world which i mean that seems like a high level technique to me because right. your whole brain like you can't move any part of your body when you're in the spirit world Mm-mm. normally let alone talk, right? Uh, but you know, high level technique, I guess. I mean, he did have like fifteen years alone on a mountain to basically meditate about like Airbender shit. So true, you true know, facts. I I I'm um, fine with it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so Gazan and Mingwa get sent to go take out uh, uh, take out Korra, while did- of course. Uh, Zaheer's girlfriend uh, stays behind to to watch over him, which is nice. Yeah. Um, did Gazan get a a line this episode? Yes, Gazan's sixth line Woo! was like, "I couldn't catch her." <laughs> Go Gazan! Well done, buddy. Uh, but but next episode, everything's gonna like double, so it's like <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but anyway, this is like the coolest fight scene in the whole season as well. Like, holy shit. Just, like, it's Mako and Bolin versus Gazan and Mingwa while Asami is fleeing the city on Naga and carrying Korra's Korra. lifeless body. Yeah. Which has just incredible, powerful gay energy. It really does. Um, And, like, I see, like, the moment when uh, they decided to fully go Korasami, I think, was when th- that scene played during the trailer and everyone in the audience went absolutely insane. Did everyone go crazy over that? Yeah, they did. That was one of the many scenes that they went crazy over. All right. But, uh, I mean, I think that image of of Asami like dragging Korra out of the city and like protecting her uh-huh. like that's very powerful vibes. Yeah, it's some it's some good shit. Um, but yeah, so. Korra's having this this convo with Zaheer, and then basically he reveals to her at the end of it that, uh, eh, this is all just a distraction so that my goons could get you. Uh, see you when you wake up. And then she wakes up in chains. Uh, in like in this like a straight jacket, terrifying and like her bondage getup. Yeah, it's like really dark. Yeah, it's not very sexual though, uh, which is good. No, it's I not just, sexual. I just want to point that out. But it's definitely terrifying. 
it's very terrifying. Like if you woke up in that, you would start freaking the fuck or out. Or just visually um, seeing it. Like like this season, they really go for some like scary imagery. Yeah. But yeah, so she wakes up and Asami is uh, chained up and with her. Turns out they weren't captured by Zaheer. They were captured by the Earth Queen's forces. They found them right. first, and so they're being taken back to Ba Sing Se. And uh, which is a great little twist. I know. I, I love that. It was a good twist. Totally, because we think the it's show is telling total us setup and payoff. Yeah, you know, like beautiful. It, it, it's just very well done, well executed. Um, so, so yeah. So then Mako and Bolin have been captured by um, Zahir's goonins. And yeah, I mean, it's such a good fight scene. There's a bunch of yeah. lava rocks falling into the pool in the background while Bolin, like, dives under for cover. But then he gets dragged out by, uh, you know, by Mingwa's, like, awesome water arms. And he's, like, drowning. And you're like, oh, my God. What are they doing to these poor boys? <laughs> They're poor boys. And they put boys. up a good fight for the most part. Ah, oh, man, I just dig it. The only problem with this scene is that when we get to the last episode and you see how Mingwa is defeated, it's like, oh, jeez. I don't remember how she's defeated, so I'll just have to take your word for it until we get there. All right, that's just a nice little bit of foreshadowing, is that it will ruin this scene oh, retroactively. So, um, so that's the end of, of that episode, and then we're on to episode 10, Long Live the Queen. Um, and so Zaheer... And his goons decide to head back to uh, the Earth Kingdom to capture Korra from the Earth Queen. Um, and so, you know, Zaheer strikes a sneaky little deal with the Earth Queen and turns over Mako and Bolin to her. And is sort of like, uh, I can I can help you find all those airbenders you're looking for if you let me hang out here. Yeah. But before they get there, you know, they still got to drive there. And so, you know, Bolin and, and Mako are, are stuck in the back of their little mail van or whatever yeah. whatever it is. Um, and uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in the season. I, I really dig it because it's the only characterization we get for, for Gazan oh, and, and Mimoua, which is really yeah. unfortunate. Um, so, like, I think, like, the point of this scene is more to establish that Bolin can chat up oh, anybody. Yeah. Like, even characters that have had no lines up until this <laughs> point. Um well, six lines or whatever. Um, but now we get seventh through tenth lines for Gaza- for Gazan. We're, we're getting up there. We're getting to double digits, man. He's now had as many lines as there are episodes. That's true. He, has, he averages one line an episode. <laughs> so the first thing he says is like, man, the world's going to change. And it's like, all right, whatever. And then, you know, uh, Bolin's like, man, you were locked up for 15 years. And he's like, it was 13 years. It's like they're just giving him lines yeah. to give him lines. They don't really reveal anything. But then he talks about, like, what it was like to spend 13 years in jail. And he's like, I renamed the Constellation so many times. Yeah. And it was, it when it rained, that was an event. And I'm like, this is great. I love it. Characterization, man. Yeah. Keep it going. And then Bolin is, like, listening to, to Ming-Hua, who talks about she used to make up stories about the guards. Like, hey, guard, you know, uh, I'll bet that guard is, you know, having trouble with his wife. I'll bet that guard uh, sucks. <laughs> that um, one wanted to be an artist. And then Bolin's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And it's great. <laughs> and, I love and it. And he makes some, some fun guesses about the two of them. And uh, then we get another line. Yeah, he says Gazan was raised by his older sister <laughs> and his mustache grew in when he was 10. 
And then he's like, hmm, I think there's an unspoken attraction between Mingwa and Gazan. Gazan and then, uh, you know, that's his 10th line, Gazan, is he says, two out of three, <laughs> not bad. And it's like, which two? You know, you don't know if he's got an unspoken thing with Mingwa, but, you know, it's good right, for shipping. It's great for shipping and also mustache fan fiction. And mustache fan fiction, I, which I'm not sure is a thing. But yeah, I, I think everybody kind of assumed that, that Gazan was raised by his older sister. But what if that's the yeah. lie? All right? Who knows? Think about it. Think about it. Maybe he's mustache grew when he was 10, and that's what, what Mingwa is so his attracted to. Rich, was his rich, luxurious stash. Uh, stash. Speaking of mustaches, <laughs> uh, Captain Gray stash uh, is, is the guy that's like arresting Korra. But he doesn't believe Korra when she says, like, hey, you know, someone's coming to kill the Earth Queen. He's like, yeah, whatever. You tell your stories, Avatar. Wait, when does that happen? It's like, well, if you just listened or radioed ahead, like, this all could have been avoided. I'm just saying, screw you, Captain Greystash. Yeah, so basically, Asami and Korra are are on an airship headed back to the Earth Kingdom. And uh, it's it's the joke yeah. is that it was made by Cabbage Corp, and so it's poorly constructed. Unlike that great future industries corporation stuff yeah. i don't know it's like a weird so joke. yeah asami like breaks a little like uh a little handrail off the side and like uses it to pry up the floorboards and sneak out mm. and then uh you know she sneaks onto the other side of the doorway and then knocks a dude upside the head and steals and a key from open him. the door so that was she something. did something she did, she did something. some great somethings uh and then yeah. to continue the great somethings, when Korra tries to get the captain to surrender, she accidentally airbends him into the console and it breaks, so their ship crashes. Uh, and then they gotta fix the ship instead of just like walking or anything, because there's spirit monsters in the desert now, or just sand shark fish things. Uh, yeah, I, that was the weirdest thing about this episode is that it, like they imply that this giant shark monster under the uh, under the sand is a spirit, which would make sense because we haven't seen it before the other times we were in the desert. Um, right, but then it's not. Right, but then at one point, like the line is, "That's no spirit," which is such a weird statement. Because spirits have been known to take, like, monstery physical right. form before. Or to be big and tangible. And also, what does it matter whether it's a spirit or an animal? Either way, it's right. trying to so eat Right, so basically you. it eats, like, half the ship just as they've just about fixed it and are ready to take off again. And so uh, Asami's kind of like, I bet I could weld together a sand sailor. Let's do that. And then she builds an entire fucking sand sailor in, like, 30 minutes. It's very impressive. She's got some help, yeah. But yeah, she's got she's some help, but it's it's awesome. Um, so then they sand sail out of there, and uh, are are getting out of the desert. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mako and Bolin are stuck in a dungeon because they've been traded for some scraps, mm-hmm. or they've been uh, they've been traded in exchange for Korra, who's not even there yet. I, I will say, I and, do love the scene where um, you know Zaheer hands them over to the Earth Queen, and she's like, "Put these two in the dungeon," and then just like a pit opens up <laughs> beneath them. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's just like I don't know if it was intended to be comedic, but I, I definitely got a little chuckle out was, of it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great. 
I think it was intended to be comedic. It's also funny to imagine that that being there in the original Avatar right. and like they never used it. Right. Even when they did storm that room. Um, it's great. So yeah, so they end up in jail. They have some fun conversation with the the dude in the jail cell next to them. Right. And, um, but the whole point is like yeah. this is what we're doing. Is the whole arc is gonna be that Bolin wants to metal bend because we introduced that several episodes ago and then dropped it as a concept. Um, but Mako's like Bolin, you can do it. You can metal bend. I think probably. Uh, uh, and Mako, you know, Bolin's and, like no. And Bolin's like. Probably not, though. <laughs> I'll try really hard, but I don't think so. It's not working. Um, and then he thinks he he gets it, but he doesn't because uh, up above yeah. the plot has kicked in again, and uh, yeah. basically Zahir is like, "All right, let's go on the offensive." Takes out all the uh, well. No, guards. he doesn't go on the offensive initially. It's it's the queen calls them back in and is like. Actually, uh, I'm not going to give you Korra because she we lost her. So you still got to tell us, tell me where the my Airbenders are though. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's not the deal. Why would we do that? Right. Because maybe they're maybe they're ANCAPs. You know, maybe they're anarcho capitalists and they really believe in contract theory. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, so that's when she, that's when she tries to have her cake and eat it too, and so she tries to arrest the Red Lotus. Which that's a real trigger for yeah, them. Yeah, don't don't. They've been in jail. <laughs> don't try to arrest them. They're not into it. Uh, and then Zahir kills the Earth Queen in like the most terrifying way yet that we've seen anyone die on this show, uh, and that includes the murder suicide explosion on a boat where he yeah. he sucks all of the air out of her lungs. And, like, has it spin yeah, around her. This is a grown-up show now. This ain't no kids' show. This is grown-up show. Yeah, it's so intense. Um, yeah, so he, he's, like, he's like ex, ex, uh, expositing his, um, his philosophy at the same time and going, like, you think freedom is something you can give or take away on a whim, which is true. She does. She yeah. does lock up people, basically, on a whim. Yeah. But to your people, freedom is just as essential as air. <laughs> yes. A yes. lot of people cringed at that, but I think it's kind of all right. I like it. Who cringed at it? I don't know. There's somebody that like, oh, yeah, as, as essential as air, right? And then you're taking the air out of the lungs a little on the nose. I mean, it's very on the uh, nose, but, like, this is Avatar. It, like, even at its deepest, yeah, it's still it kind of on the nose. Of a line. I get it, but I, I like it. I, I, like I it liked personally. it a lot. I thought it was a powerful statement. It flows from what we learned about him in the last episode um it's delivered with great gravitas like again the actor does such a good job um with this role and uh so then like you said uh uh you know zahir like unlocks all the prisons like bane (laughs) yes it's bane time yeah Uh, and he lets everybody out of the prisons right when uh (laughs) Right when Bolin is trying to metal bend for the second time, uh, is trying to metal bend for the second time, and and so he thinks that he <laughs> bent everyone's uh, prison cell open <laughs> except for his and Maka's, except for his own, which d- is not the case. Which would be really impressive if true. Yeah, but um, was not true. And I will say, I do like the scene. Where, uh, basically, because right before this, Zaheer and the gang go and, uh, I guess 
take over the public broadcasting system or something and basically yeah. announce to the Earth Kingdom that the Queen is dead and that freedom shall reign. And, you know, he has another one of his guys go and... Yeah, uh, he, he, I like how he says, I'm not going to tell you my name because it's not important because I'm not here to conquer you. Right. You know? like, I'm not here to be a leader. I'm here just to liberate you and let you live truly free. Um, Hell yeah. But so he'd be a great addition to the One Piece universe. <laughs> Uh, and he says i deliver bashing say unto you the people the people yes um but but you know they they sort of have to force their way into the radio station and overcome like the guy who's manning the controls and you know they're sort of intimidating at first and so here's like listen i don't want to hurt you i'm here to liberate you man just just tell me what I need yeah. to do. We're, we're freeing you. But nobody really wants to be liberated in the whole city. Uh, no. Like, you can see, uh, you know, Mako and Bolin's grandma being like, oh, dear God, the queen is dead. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's like, you know. But there's other people cheering You can't in the liberate sheet. people who aren't mentally prepared to be liberated. Right. You have to create the conditions first. Um but yeah, so, and then, you know, they break down all the inner walls of Bossing say, so that uh, everyone... Oh, so powerful. I mean, come on. I'm like, at this point, I'm totally on their side. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's obviously very irresponsible the way they're doing it, yeah. and it's very violent, but I mean, they're on. what a great revolution, oh, yeah. just as a start, to just overthrow... I mean, I know we were opposed to overthrowing the Earth King in the last season, but that was because, you know... We're in the middle of a war with fascists, so I'd rather, you know, uh, I, I'd rather not have them be overthrown by those fascists. Right. But this is like a pure, sort of purely uh, ideological and, uh, and 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 not personally motivated coup, uh, and it's great. And they just th overthrow that terrible monarch. Yep, she's uh, gone for the people. <laughs> Or the people. Um, yeah, so then Zaheer comes down to the prison cell where everyone else is celebrating and running free and is like, hey, we're going to talk you and you and I to, to Mako and Bolin. Um, yeah, so they got to deliver Korra a message. We don't know what that is. We don't know what it is. Um, so then, you know, team... <laughs> Korasami makes it out of the desert and you know they've got they've had lots of great cute banter in this episode too which has been delightful yeah and they and they shoot a fish with fire and yeah. a sand speeder it's fun um, and then Graystash, who's had his hands in his pocket the whole time <laughs> takes his hand out of his pocket and it's a hook hand and so it turns out Graystash was captain hook the whole time and that's the twist that's, of the episode. that's the whole twist of the episode the other one is that they get back to the oasis town and who's there but Zuko and her dad and Lynn. And they're all like, hey, you're all right. Neat. Yeah, and this is our first time seeing Zuko, I think. Yeah. Right? Or maybe we saw him in like a brief shot before. Oh, no, he was he was at the North Pole fighting fighting that lady. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, this is this is our second time seeing Zuko, but it's the first time Korra has seen Zuko since she was apparently a very small child. Um, so right. so it's it's cool. He's got his little dragon friend buddy, uh, which is which yep. is neat. Fang? No, not Fang. That was uh, Roku. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this dragon's name is. I don't, I don't quit know. Bu quit bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet it at us. Um, 
Because that's that's basically where we leave off, right? Is is there yeah. anything else? I love these two episodes. They're great. They're action packed, man. But like, the action feels like it's meaningful. You know, it's not just like oh, Cora. and everybody gets to do stuff. Yeah. We're not doing this whole thing where it's like, oh, it's a Lin episode. Oh, it's a it's an Opal episode. Oh my god, oh, this is the big. This is the big Kai episode where he learns that stealing is wrong. Right. That's the other thing, right? Like, there's a ton of looting in, in Ba Sing Se now. Yeah. But, like, we've seen that, like, the divisions between the richy riches in the inner circle and the poor slum people on the outer circle. Uh-huh. Like, I'm totally ready for these people to get shoplift or pocket. Oh, uh, hell yeah. You know, to get mugged in the streets. For sure. Like, down with billionaires, man. So, yeah. I mean, it's. It's good shit. I, I I really like this episode. I like the motivation of our villains. Everything is shaping up to be the best season of Korra. Yep. Um, and, you know, it even could be, like, one of the best seasons in either show if it sort of kept on this path. Yeah, it but, gets a little uh, wonky after this. Nothing lasts forever. <laughs> We're going to get you on the, the finale for uh, for book three next Next episode and uh, the beginning of book three in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, so, so check it out. It'll it'll be a very it'll be a uh, an episode of dualities. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to comment uh, or tweet at us if you want. Tweet at us at talking at tropes. Talking tropes. Um, we love hearing from you guys. Let us know if it's a new year. Uh, are there new shows you want us to to recap or, or watch for the first time? Yeah. Uh, what, what's your must-see list for, for this year, either movies or TV shows? Um, let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Love to hear from you. See y'all later. Bye.